Have you ever wondered what are some high income skills that I should build and how can I use Upwork to get clients? Well, in this episode, we go into just that. I got to interview Olivia. Olivia is an entrepreneur and fractional COO for dozens of online businesses ranging from marketing agencies, consultancies, other service-based businesses, and e-commerce at 500k to 10 million dollars a year in revenue. Olivia started her first business at 19 during university in the UK. After struggling to get clients, she paid the best person she knew to mentor her in sales, which took her across the world to San Diego. After being a sales rep and seeing a lot of visionary entrepreneurs struggle with the back end of their business, she stepped in and helped her boss double their revenue and became COO. Since then, Olivia traveled across the states working with many entrepreneurs to help them streamline their operations. Now, Olivia has moved to Chicago and created her own operations consultancy where she works with dozens of entrepreneurs to help them implement systems, build a team that takes the CEO out of the day-to-day, and create a truly scalable business. After developing this to create another lead generation system for her own business, Olivia also teaches other service providers her proven process to sign five-figure clients on Upwork. In this episode, we go into so many fun things from how to use Upwork to get clients, how to build high-income skills, her best sales tips from her mentor, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. My name's Sophia. Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My goal is to make your 20s a little less of a shit show. So without any further ado, let's get started. Thank you so much, Olivia, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s so far. Feel free to include any shit show moments where it resonate with. Let's start there. <laughs> Thank you, Sophia. So my 20s so far, it's a good question. So when I turned 20, I was still in university. I was in like, I think everything kind of started when I was 20, which is actually pretty interesting. So it was about then, I think I was like 19, just turning 20 when I started my first business. And then like that didn't work. I like started a couple others. One of them didn't work. Technically, they both didn't work. But one of them was like a segue into what did work, which was like a Facebook ads agency. And I wasn't like I needed to get clients, right? But I wasn't good at sales. So I was like, what do I do here? I like bought this course online and they were telling me to cold call people. And so I was doing that. But obviously, like little 20 year old me, like cold calling, like 40 year old business owners, I was like, shit scared, you know, like I was scared. But anyway, I was doing it. I just thought there's got to be a more effective way to do this. And I had a friend who was like amazing at sales. So I, I like asked him, I was like, who taught you? Like, you seem to know what you're doing. So <laughs> they put me in contact with this guy who lived in San Diego. And as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. So I messaged this guy on Instagram and he was running like a sales course he was doing it live so I joined that and then I did some private coaching with him I used my student loan to pay for all of that because I was like may as well use it for something productive (laughs) so I did that and then I ended up getting good at sales and then he asked me to like come be a sales rep for him he had a sales training and recruiting company and he'd been a sales rep for like over a decade and he was really good at what he'd done and like he's worked with some big names and stuff so I was like this is like great opportunity I'll do that so I did 
And it quickly became apparent, like, he wasn't really good at anything that happened after the sale in his own business. Like, he would do some of the sales for, like, like because he had two offers. So he would do, like, the business owner sales in the beginning. And I would do, like, the sales for the sales rep training program. And then I realized that he wasn't good at anything that came after the sale. And he could do, like, training, obviously. But, like, back-end operations, he was not good at so I just kind of stepped in and taught myself by necessity and sorted out his back end for him because I'm like very logical by nature like systems thinker like I studied science in school like I'm very you know like this is what needs to happen next it's quite obvious to me so I sorted all that out for him and we ended up working together for like 18 months I think and I helped him like double his business Um, within a year of that and I went out to San Diego to work with him for a few months after I finished my degree he moved to Miami I went there for a couple months and then our relationship ended which I guess was a shit show moment because we had worked out like our relationship was kind of challenging like we worked well together because he was like visionary type and I was integrator type in business but he was also like pretty narcissistic and manipulative and I didn't really recognize that at the beginning because I would like this was my first encounter with like what I thought was someone that knew what they were doing and like someone that was like successful in an industry and so I thought this is just how it is you know like this is just what you have to do if you want to be playing at this level because he was you know very very well connected with like business owners that you might know like from online that are very big in like online coaching and space and stuff like that So I was like, well, this guy clearly knows what he's doing. But anyway, he didn't. So I dealt with like a lot of just bullshit in general just from that. But then when things ended, like we had agreed certain compensation for me. And at one point, you know, like I was kind of running this man's business. Like he had COVID for a month and he lost his voice. And I did everything. Like I did all the sales calls. I did all the hiring. I built out all the systems. Like I was running his business. But he was unwilling to like give me the compensation that I wanted. And so for a while, I was kind of like, am I going to keep doing this? Am I not? And then at the end, I had been in Miami for two months and like we had already agreed like what I was going to be compensated for that time. When I got back to the UK, he was trying to backtrack on what he owed me and like didn't want to give it to me and and stuff. And I was like, well, that's just not on. And so he was trying to like, he was trying to like merge our business with someone else at the time. And so I, he like played off this idea that me and him were like basically like family and that we were really close. And those other guys thought that we were like really close and stuff. And so we had spent like a month in person with these guys that they would do. He was trying to do a merger business with in Miami and I'd become really close with them. And so I told them like what was going on because I felt like they needed to know who they were getting into business with. And once I told them that, he decided to uh, pay me what he actually owed me. And then I decided to uh, end my relationship with him. So, you know, it worked out. At least I got the money. But I was kind of like, what the fuck do I do now? You know, I was like, I don't. I felt like my confidence had really kind of been killed in many ways by that relationship. Because he, like, I knew I was doing all the work. But he made me, like, think that I wasn't actually that valuable. And so it was really quite challenging to think, okay, I can go and do this all by myself. And I have been providing useful things to the company and like, and and stuff like that. So 
it was tough, but I, you know, spent a, a month watching Netflix and then I regrouped. <laughs> That's how it always goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So that does sound like quite the shit show. So what happened from there? How did you start to rebuild? What did you do next? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I knew... Well, I developed many skills from working with him, right? Like, sales, marketing, operations. But, like, operations was always, like, my strongest suit, what came naturally to me, what was logical to me. And throughout the time of working with him, I had met a whole bunch of other entrepreneurs and I realized like this guy's problem with his back end like it wasn't an isolated problem just to him like a lot of business owners have this problem because they are visionary and like they don't want to think about the systems and stuff like that like they know they're important but they don't necessarily want to do it so I had met quite a few of those people and so I was like well this is really the angle that I want to go down like I want to help people with the operations and stuff so the first thing I did was like go to my network and like the connections I had built and started to see okay could any of these be potential clients and some some of them I did turn into clients and so that was where I started throughout that time like when I was like back in the UK after that relationship ended I was waiting for my visa to move to the US like I'd already like submitted my application and stuff which was to run my own business, like my visas to run my own business. So I was always planning, even when I was working for that guy, it was never really like, oh, I'm going to work with him forever. It was just like, I am going to run my own business. And this is just kind of like a pathway to getting there, basically. So I eventually got my visa, like the end of that summer. And then I moved here. And then when I moved here, I was like, okay, other avenues for getting clients. Because I had built a pretty big personal brand on like Instagram but my Instagram got hacked and I couldn't get it back. So I had to start that again. And then I was just doing like all these typical like social media strategies to try and get clients. And I realized like, this is not where my ideal client is. Like my ideal client really is someone that's doing at least 500K a year in their business, ideally a million or more, because they need to be having these operational problems and they need to like understand the value of it. So I was like, I'm not really going to find them just responding to their Instagram DMs all the time. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, what's a different way to go about this? And so I did some research, looked into it, asked some more entrepreneurs some of my entrepreneur friends and they all said that like maybe you should have a look at Upwork and I was kind of resistant at first because I just felt like it was just where people go to buy like five dollar an hour VAs you know so I was like "Mm." but I had heard like someone I knew had signed like a four thousand dollar a month social media client from Upwork so I was like okay maybe there is money in here so I started figuring it out, you know, used all the sales process things I'd learned from working with this guy. And it actually worked. Like I started getting like $3,000 a month clients from Upwork, like pretty easily. And then I was able to double my retainer to 6000 a month and then like start getting even bigger clients. So yeah, that was cool. And so I figured out that pathway to get consistent and sustainable clients. And I've actually turned that into a course now. So that's cool. And yeah, so that's kind of what happened next. I was just like consistent with it clear on like what I wanted to do and now I'm like constantly refining okay like these are the ways I work with people like these are my offers this is the direction of my business but like this is also how I want my business to fit around my life you know like I think a lot of people early I did this in the beginning it was like I would give up everything in the pursuit of like growing a business and like getting money right so I would just sacrifice like time with family my health even though my health is very important to me like sometimes it would just like go out the window 
And I realized like if you keep doing that, even when one day you've earned like a good amount of money, you'll think that you'll still think that you have to keep going, right? It's like because you've created that as basically a habit. You think that you have to work that hard and in that routine in order to get the money. And that's what you've like programmed your nervous system to think. So if one day, you know, let's say you've made half a million dollars, a million dollars or whatever, and you decide, okay, I've made a good amount of money now, let's ease off or like let's try and figure a way of like to have this happen more without my involvement it's gonna be really hard for you to do that because you've like programmed yourself to thinking that you only get this money if you're working this hard right so I've really been intentional and mindful about create you know practicing what I preach like I create systems for my clients and stuff so they can get out of the day today so I've been like intentional about seeing where I can do that in my own business faster and I'm always thinking about you know, even things I'm still doing myself, like how is this going to evolve into something I'm not doing? And how can I, like when I am working now, okay, how much do I actually want to work? What things do I want to be doing? And like building, you know, my business around that. Yeah. And when I thought of Upwork, I thought the same thing, honestly, as well. So it's so interesting hearing about that you're able to get these clients through that platform. And like, what exactly does the back end of their business entail? Like, I'm curious if you could go deeper into that. Why do they struggle so much with the back end? I'm also curious about that as well. And why they kind of neglect the back end and just work on what they're focusing on? Yeah, well, because I mean, okay, so there's a few things that I guess like in general, there's kind of like two types of business owners that I recognize. There's those that are like, marketing and sales heavy which my mentor kind of referred to the other day as like the hunter there's like the hunter and then the the nurturer right so like the hunter is is someone that loves like getting the sale and so they'll put all of their effort into you know getting clients revenue generating activity well obviously revenue generating activities like operations is still a revenue generating activity but it's just more like of a long-term one, right? It's really a profit increasing activity. So there's those people, but then there's the nurturers, which will spend most of their time on fulfillment, like improving that and ensuring like their product is the best ever or their service is the best ever and their clients are getting amazing results, right? And it's like, just because you're a hunter doesn't mean that you don't care about the clients. It just means that you're not the person that's going to be sat all day tinkering with fulfillment, seeing how to improve it. If you actually notice, like neither of those things are operations, but they're, they're where most business owners tend to gravitate to. They're either marketing and sales focused or they're focused on the delivery because the delivery, you know, like let's say they're a coach or like they're an e-commerce business owner and like this product is like their baby, right? And so neither of those things actually involve like the actual business operations, like strategically hiring a team, like how to delegate, creating the overall systems and infrastructure of like running that team successfully, project management systems, you know, process documentation, like profit, cash flow, like actually strategically investing, like neither of those involve those things. And it's because like, it's like the afterthought of business, right? It's like the afterthought. It's not like an obvious thing. I think it's because, well, operations is really poorly defined. Like most people think of it really as as admin, but it's actually not. Like operations is the backbone of your entire business and it determines how successfully each department of your business will work. It's 
It's about, you know, what is the structure of your sales process? Like, where are things being automated? You know, what is your marketing system? And then it's plugging the right people into those systems and making sure they're working effectively. And the thing is, it's just like most business owners, you know, it takes until they get to a certain level of revenue to they're really thinking about this stuff because it becomes a need because they need to hire people and then it doesn't work out, right? And so even when they do, it's like they don't have the bandwidth all the time to even like think about learning all these bunch of skills to be good at operations because they just want to focus on bringing in the clients or continuing to make sure that the current clients are happy. So it's really an issue of like, you know, when people start a business, it's not something that's like, oh, you must go learn operations. So I think that that's it. Like people don't even realize it's a thing until they get to a certain level. And then at that point, they, you know, it's not even like, what they it's not their zone of genius it's not what they want to spend their time doing so they really need to get someone else in now some business owners they're more rare but they do like they are naturally more of an integrator than a visionary um but if you are like a founder you're probably going to be like both if you are partly an integrator right so those ones tend to be able to like survive longer without you know, someone like mine, my help, right? But even then, it's like, once you get to a certain level, you have to, you can't spend all your time between doing like visionary CEO activities and integrated COO activities, you kind of have to choose which one you want to specialize in. And so that's kind of what happens there. I know I kind of said a lot of things that did that answer the question? Yeah, and I didn't realize there's so many different types of business owners. It's interesting, the different ways that they are. And I kind of wanted to go back to when you had those failed businesses. I'm curious if like anything popped up for you about like, should I try another business? Can I really be a business owner? Is like maybe like this not on the cards for me? I'm curious into your process there and how you were able to go and continue. Yeah, yeah. So the first one I did was like an Amazon FBA store. And again, I bought an online course and they were like, use this thing called Jungle Scout to like figure out what are the winning products on Amazon, right? And I found this spy camera thing and it was like selling really well on Amazon. And I could tell people like we're doing really well on it, but there wasn't that much competition. So I was like, okay, cool. Like this is what I'm going to go with. Uh, So I did it and then I put up the listing and like Amazon kept taking it down and saying like this device like wasn't allowed on Amazon. And I was so confused because I could literally see like the same things on there. But anyways, I tried to keep getting it listed and Amazon wasn't having any of it. So I was like, well, there's not really anything I can do about that. So that didn't work because I'd already bought the inventory and that was like a massive fail and I felt really bad because I asked like my stepdad for a loan in order to like buy that inventory because you know 19 year old me didn't really have that kind of cash flow so <laughs> so that really sucked because that you know still trying to wholesale those from my house back in the UK so that was just annoying but you know it never made me think oh like I can't do business I guess maybe because of the way it happened as well. Like it's almost like I didn't even get to try because it got like stopped before I could even like get into the whole like now we're doing the ads on Amazon now. Like we're seeing if people like my product, like, you know, getting good reviews and stuff like that. I didn't even get to get to that point. So I was just thought, well, you know, take the L and keep moving forwards. 
you know, because at the end of the day, like I just had kind of like when I started that business, I kind of like thought to myself, you've kind of resigned yourself to the entrepreneur life now. Like this is what you'll be doing. I'd already like told myself because when I started the business, like, you know, I, I was still in college. I finished college, um, but I thought, you know, I already knew like college wasn't going to make me the kind of money I wanted. Like I could have done, you know, I could have been like a research scientist with my degree or like I could have gone in, into investment banking. I could have done a whole bunch of other things, but like none of them were really going to give me the the freedom and the financial like reality that I wanted so I was just like well this this is not it so you have to go create your own future and your own life no matter how long that takes so that's what we're going to do now so I kind of just resigned myself to that fact and so it wasn't really like oh you know you're not good at this like I know people that are you know not you know I think maybe this was it as well it was like my stepdad is a pretty successful business owner and he is like not classically like what you would consider smart like book smart like he's very smart in many ways but you know he never even finished school like he done like sometimes when he talks about stuff I'm like how did you even run a successful business like I'm confused (laughs) but don't get me wrong like no he does know he's very like thoughtful and like philosophical about life and like he he, yeah, I can see it, but sometimes I'm just like, what? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I was like, if he can do it and be like very, very successful at it, there is absolutely no reason why I can't be. And I know tons of people that are not, like, I just know, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. I didn't know like what the venture was going to be. I didn't necessarily know how. I think maybe a, a big fear for me in the beginning was like, I don't have this like big idea. Like I don't have a big idea. I don't have like a Tesla kind of idea. I don't have like a a PayPal kind of idea or an Amazon kind of idea. Like what am I going to do? And I, one time I bought like another course because I did the Amazon FBA course. And then I bought one that was like a Shopify, almost creating your own product from nothing type of thing instead of like, you know, seeing what's out there and kind of doing a variation on it. And when I did that, I was like so stumped. And like, I was like, I remember I'd go on these long walks and I'd try and think about, okay, like what's my like world domination product going to be, you know, and try and like figure it out from nothing. And I, and then I look back on that now and I'm like, wow, that was like so silly. Like I had to do that to realize, but really it's just kind of happens when you notice like issues people are facing like you kind of have to just get stuck in doing whatever almost and that's when you kind of begin to notice like what is going on you know and I think for me like doing operations actually makes real sense as a business because it's like I am operationally minded like I am more of an integrator I'm not the big idea person I'm someone that would like you give me your idea and I'll be able to create a whole plan on how to execute it and actually execute it you know I think that's why I like did well working with that guy because like he was so you know a million ideas and I could just take the idea and run with it and so with operations it's like I don't really need to have all these ideas like I know how to create solid operations and like I have good ideas around like making businesses more efficient but that's because like I kind of have the starting point of someone else's business do you know what I mean so it's like you don't need to reinvent the wheel to have a successful business like you just as well as like if you don't even know where to start just learn a skill learn a skill and then just like provide that as a service 
and then from there you'll know how to productize it kind of like what I've done really like I've been working with people for so long now on their systems now I know like okay what are the most common systems people need help with and they ask me for okay now I can like productize that and turn that into like something that a lot of people buy and like someone fulfills for me right so yeah I love that you were so committed to that idea that you're like, whatever way it happens, it's going to happen. But it seemed like you were so committed to the idea of being a business owner that you weren't worried. You like you knew you were going to find some path to getting there. Yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't go back to that that potential nine to five. Like I never I never had a real nine to five. Like, I worked some waitressing jobs when I was like in school and stuff but when I was in uni and I kind of like figured out I was going to do this I was like I never want to have a nine-to-five like let's see if I completely bypass having a nine-to-five like let's see if I can do that that was kind of like the challenge I set to myself like let's see if we can bypass nine-to-five and it worked so far no nine-to-five so (laughs) 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 and how are you able to like find these clients on Upwork and how I'm curious, like your strategy on Upwork as well. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is like the way I've written my profile. So my bio and stuff, I've written it. Basically, it, it's kind of like a sales page. So when they read it, they're already like selling themselves on the idea of why they want to work with me. And so that gets me more job invites and that gets me like more DMs. And also when I do apply to jobs, it gets more people you know, interested. So that's one part of it. And then the other thing is like, you have to be really specific on, you know, your criteria. So what types of jobs are you looking for? What's the pay scale? But also I'm going into it and I'm not thinking like, I, I have my offers, right? So when I'm looking at people's um, jobs, I'm not thinking, oh, can I like fit myself around what they want and accept this like hourly rate? That's not what I'm doing. I'm looking at them and thinking, okay, they have like this problem and they're willing to pay like up to this hourly rate, which makes me think that they are definitely going to be interested in like my flat fee offer for this. And like the problem that they're having is going to like fit my offer. So I'm essentially like, I'm not going in there thinking like, I think some people have, what do you call it, like the candidate mindset on Upwork. Like they're going in thinking that they're like interviewing for jobs and it's like scary. Like they're going in like almost on the back foot and like the person with the job has all the power. Whereas I'm going into this like this is a sales process. Like I'm viewing it as a sales process and people posting jobs on Upwork are literally them just putting up their hand being like, I have a problem that you help with. That's all I'm looking at it as. And then I'm looking at, are they financially qualified? So can are they currently paying in the range that I'm saying? And, you know, they have the problems I solve for. So when I submit them the proposal, I I mean, my, my assistant does it all now. Like, I don't even send any of the proposals. She books all of the calls for me. And then I just show up to the calls and, uh, you know, see if they are a good fit to be a client or not. So, yeah, so we send the proposal. We kind of address, well, first of all, I have like a little intro about like, me and the work that I've done that relates to the problem that they have and then I'll go into how we can solve this particular problem that they have and then I kind of like do like a call to action you know if this sounds of interest then book a call with me and then I attach a portfolio to every proposal I send and that's really important as well because it's basically a credibility accelerator so I'll send them my website and I'll send them the portfolio 
And if you don't have a website, that's fine. I didn't in the beginning, I just had the portfolio, but that kind of goes into like case studies of past clients I've had, you know, for me, like the types of softwares I work in, but obviously you just change it to be whatever, oh my God, I can't speak, whatever's relevant to your niche, right? So, and I also have like my philosophy on like systems and operations, like what types of clients I've helped, you know, results, all that kind of thing. So when they read this, like they get really excited. Like they see my bio, they see the portfolio I've created, they see my website and they almost don't even care about like what hourly rate that they put in the initial period. I'll always go for people that put like 100 to 150 hour hourly, but then I'll just tell them, hey, well, here's the flat fee. If you want this system built or if you want to work with me on a retainer level, like this is the retainer. And more often than not, they move forward because they understand like the value of what they're getting, right? So that's kind of what I teach in the course. Like I teach you how to create the profile, how to do the outreach, how to delegate the outreach to someone else um, successfully, and then how to run the sales calls, like all of that mindset that you need to have. Because it's like, you know, it's Upwork is amazing because it's full of people that are already saying that they need help with the thing that you solve for. Whereas like on social media, you can spend so much wasted time just talking to people that are interested and you don't even know if they have your problem. So Upwork cuts out a lot of the issues because it's like you already know from the get-go if someone has your problem and they are willing to pay in the kind of range that you uh, provide for your services, right? So it's great. Yeah, of course, there's jobs where people are looking for something for like $10 and whatever, but you just filter through those and you don't apply to them, right? So the sale cycle can be so much faster. Like I've had clients, you know, I send them the proposal on the Monday, I get on the call with them on the Tuesday, invoice is paid by Wednesday. Like that's been a very common occurrence for me. And I've had you know, friends that I've taught this to within three days of me um, of sending outreach, they've signed like a $9,000 client, you know? So it's like the people are out there and I think there's like a big um, opportunity to take advantage of Upwork for the people that are willing to like drop their egos and like actually give it a go and be consistent. You know, it's just like any other platform, there's broke people, there's time wasters, but you just need to know how to filter them out. And you need to be clear on this is your sales process and you're seeing how people fit into your office because the people on Upwork, they just, they don't even know what they want, right? You have to go in there and be the authority and show them like, this is the offer that is going to best help you based on what we've discussed here, right? So uh, they're very open to it. They're very flexible. You have to realize most people are posting this job like they don't even know like what they really need. They're just like trying to get some kind of help. They really want someone to guide them and tell them like, this is what you need. Mm. And I'm curious with your course and with helping your friend do this, are they doing a similar offer to you or are, they, are you giving them ideas that you could do all these types of offers? Um, so my friend does social media management. So completely different. Yeah, but it works for pretty much like any kind of, b2b service really so like social media management running ad you know website design graphic design you know the systems and operations automation kind of stuff like financial services like financial consulting bookkeeping that's a big one i have a list of all the services that this works for like on my uh, sales page so i can send that in the description if you're interested 
And like, how do they get started at the beginning? Because at the beginning, I assume you don't really have a portfolio. Are you kind of like changing your rates at the beginning? Are you working for free at the beginning to like build that? Well, I mean, I did have a portfolio at the beginning because it already worked with clients, like no, for like for like people you work with, like for people who do your course or like your friend or. Oh well, my friend, like she had already like had social media clients, so like she'd already you know had results and stuff like that. So she was able to make a portfolio, but like. Um, you know I've worked with people that they haven't and like Upwork is their first thing and so you basically just want to make the portfolio in a slightly different way so you'll you'll still you're kind of basically going to talk more about your story your ethos and the types of work that you do for people and you're going to go less into uh, the case studies Uh, so there's a way that you can get around that but if you don't have like any results at all I do recommend like working for someone for free in exchange for a testimonial like doing a quick thing in exchange for a testimonial so you can add that in there uh so I do recommend that but yeah I think I think that answers it so yeah that's kind of the way to get around it but the thing is as well it's like I don't I think what puts a lot of people off as well is the fact that on Upwork, you know, people can see how many earnings you've had and like what your reviews are. And so when you're starting out, obviously you have zero reviews and zero earnings. Now, yeah, it can help to have those things, but it definitely is not like make or break. You know, when I had no reviews and no earnings, I was still signing $3,000 a month clients. And even now it's like, I take most of the payment off of Upwork because Upwork takes 10% of your fees. So my Upwork says I've only made like, five or six K where I've actually made 137 since the beginning of the year, you know? So all is not necessarily what it seems. And people know that it's all about how you present yourself. It's about, you know, what you write in your bio, how you write the, po- the, the proposals. Cause you got to remember like 90% of people that are submitting proposals to jobs on Upwork are copying, pasting the same generic thing. So if you're able to personalize it, immediately you stand out if you can send them a portfolio that like makes you you know actually talks about how you give a damn about what you're doing that makes you stand out even more and immediately more people more interested in you like I can't even tell you how many people have said I was so excited to get on the phone with you just because of uh the portfolio I sent you know so and what helped you like get better at sales I know like I'm curious like what was your process like either with like that first person that you worked with to go from like being nervous on the phone to being comfortable on the phone. I'm curious, like what that whole transition was like for you. Yeah, I think part of it is just to do with doing it so many times. Like once you've been on a certain amount of calls and stuff, you just develop less resistance towards doing it. You know, your brain realizes that it's not a threatening situation anymore you know and like as you get more competent at it you also become less afraid and like competency does come with uh repetition but I also think that I have done less reps than a lot of good salespeople, and it's also because like again like I viewed sales calls as a system like the actual sales call itself from start to finish is a system it's not just a random thing you're crossing your fingers hoping if they close there's certain things that need to happen in the call in order to increase the chances that someone moves forward 
So once I understood that and was able to hit on those points, it became so much easier. It cut down the amount of time I had to spend, you know, practicing or the amount of time it took me to get good because I just understood what had to happen. Right. And so what has to happen is, you know, you kind of have to set an agenda. What you also have to know is like, it's not about convincing them to work with you or anything like that. And it's not about you seeing how good your products and services are or anything like that. It's about really getting them to sell themselves on the idea of working with you. And you do that through a series of questions and how you respond to them, right? So, you know, you set the agenda, you go into their current situation and what they're dealing with. And then, but you, I think the mistake a lot of sales reps make is they just kind of like, they know this overall framework, but they just kind of gloss over each part and they just like, like it's checking a box, right? But you need to go deep on each section. So if someone like asks, you know, you're talking about your current situation and they say something like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to like, let's say social media management. I'm just trying to be more consistent with my Instagram. Okay. Immediately alarm bell should be going off. Like, okay, how long has this been a problem? Why don't you feel like you've been consistent? What have you tried before? to be consistent like they're the kind of questions you want to ask to dig deeper because really your job as a sales rep is to make people aware of the root problem of what's going on and the consequences of not solving that problem and then it's up to them if they want to work with you or not because obviously you know working with you is supposed to be the solution to their problem that's that you have to go into the current situation and then problems consequences of not solving those problems you really want to dig into here like like I said what have they tried before if they bought other programs why didn't they work are they placing the blame on the program is that like legitimate or were they not doing the work like is this you're as much vetting them as they are vetting you I think that really helped me as well understanding that you know I'm not going in here like hoping to win the sale like no I'm vetting if this person is even like a good client for me do I even want to work with this person I think that's like a really big mindset shift because now I turn people down because I don't think that they're going to be good and when you are not afraid to turn people down like the energy you approach calls with is completely different so yeah and also I think like I was taught this thing by the the guy I worked with it's like called alchemy of gold that's what he called it anyway so (laughs) I know it sounds funny but it actually works really well so like when a prospect on a sales call has kind of said they've been talking for like two or three or four minutes right and they said a bunch of things instead of just being like oh okay that's cool and then asking the next question you're going to say what they said to you back to them but like in a bigger more expansive way than they even articulated it and it really helps them feel like so heard and understood and it like really connects them to you and think wow this person was really listening and they really like got what I'm trying to do here and they really understood my issues and so just like that in itself like knowing things like that and knowing how to connect with people on a deeper level is what will like change the game for you I could talk more about that but like about sales in general but I'll leave it there for now unless you have more questions I'm curious like what's the best sales advice you've gotten I mean I think those those things I said I think as well as just like you want to try and block any objections you think that you're gonna get instead of 
waiting until they come out right and it's not necessarily like blocking them you don't have to necessarily block them all on the call but it's engineering your entire sales process to block objections right like the reason i send the portfolio and the website and write the my bio the way i do it's not just to book calls it's also to block objections and filter out the wrong people like in my bio i'm like you know you're not a good fit for me if you're struggling to pay your team and your bills right you know things like that i'm already like blocking financial objections and then even on the call it's like you can bring up something you think that will be a potential objection before they do and that's really important because if you bring it up like you own the objection and you can say something different about it so i'm trying to think of an example but like let's say let's just say the price right for example and you can be like some people will say that like uh service is expensive but that's really because they're coming from a, a cost and consumer standpoint instead of an investor mindset and they're not thinking about the roi of this service and then you can kind of go into the roi and, and be like okay so if you work with us then do you think that like this this and this is like a believable result that you can get they're like yes okay so do you think that this is actually a good investment and then they're like yes okay so now you've got them to buy into the fact that this is a good investment rather than getting to the end of the call and then being like oh this is too expensive right and because again if like if they bring up the objection they like human psychology is they feel more attached to it we feel more attached to our own ideas that we've verbalized so it would be really a good exercise is to write down all the objections that you get and see how can you either block this with an asset earlier in your process, like having people watch testimonials before the call, like that's something that people do, right? So how can you do things like that? Or what can you organically like bring up in the conversation at the sales call to block these things and kind of, you know, handle it yourself before they bring it up. So yeah, I think that's been really good advice. But yeah, it's really also just like, it's not you versus me. It's like we on a sales call, right? We're trying to find the best solution. I think that's really it. It's like, I'm working with you to try and find the best solution. And if I'm not the best solution for you, then I simply will not like show you my services and try and work with you, right? So I think that again comes, it takes off the pressure and it like reduces the pressure of like, oh my God, I need to hit this revenue goal. Like I need to sign this person. Like I don't have any money, like blah, blah, blah. And I think as well as like, you have to try and come from this standpoint of abundance when you are doing sales. I think it's hard to be, oh, this is really it. It's not being attached to the sale. That's really what I'm trying to say here. Not being attached to the sale. Like whether they buy or not, you're just committed to helping them find the best solution for them, whether that's working with you or not. And it can be hard to be not attached to the sale when you have no money in the bank account. So if you have no money in the bank account, I would suggest you do something else to have some form of money coming in whilst you're still doing these sales calls. Because psychologically, you're going to be less attached and you're going to be able to take on the better clients. Because, you know, I have friends, I know people that they have been in that situation where they have no money coming in and like this is their sole source of income. And so they end up taking on clients that become an absolute nightmare. Like they end up seeing like, you know, just pretending they can't see all of these red flags and stuff. 
And so it's never worth it. It turns into refunds. It turns into, you know, what should have been like a 10 hour project turns into a 40 hour project. Right. And so now your, um, your hourly rate as a business owner, because we all have one, even if we say we're not working hourly, if you're still working in your business, you do have an hourly rate as a business owner. Now it's going right, right down. Right. So like, that's kind of always my goal is like, how can I increase my hourly rate as a business owner? You know, and that's not just about the work you're doing for your clients. It's like how effective the work on your business is increasing leverage. Hmm. So many good tips. (laughs) (laughs) I love all of them. And like for someone like they're just getting started, like they don't necessarily know what they want to do. They know they have to build some sort of like high income skills. Where do you suggest they start or what's a way to kind of like figure out what would be a good venture to go into? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would make a list of what you like to do. You know, you can be as like random with this as you want, but you know, kind of write down the things you like to do, even if it's just like writing or reading or like maybe you like to do sports, like a whole bunch of things, right? Write down what you like to do or the type of work-like activities you enjoy doing. Then I would look at a list of high income skills. I can give you some right now. So like copywriting, running paid ads, videography, like photography, social media management, so like short form video creation. Um, you know, what I do, systems and operations, sales, you know, let's leave it at that for now, but there's more. There's even like recruiting, you know, things like this. Then I would look to see, do you think that there's any correlation between any of the things that you like to do and any of these skills and also maybe think at like how could you niche down one of these skills to fit your interests more say like if you love sports and maybe you love like watching movies or like you love like cinematic production okay maybe you want to go into like content creation for like athletes or sport or like coaches that do fitness coaching right something like that right so you can begin to see about that but I would also remember is like don't be too attached to one particular skill in the beginning I think that it's really important to try a few so maybe make a list of you know if you can choose like between three and five that you think maybe these would be a good, maybe three, five is maybe too many, three that you think, okay, maybe I could be interested in doing some of these based on like my other interests. Then I would go in and look at those things. I'd go on YouTube. I would start learning about it. I would see if you can talk to people that do that for a living and ask them like, what are the good things about it? What are the bad things about it? You know, and try and get some tips Um, You could probably find people on Upwork that do those things that you could pay for a one-off consulting session to tell you what it's like to run their business. So I would do that. But yeah, like give it a go, like test it out. And then I would see like, okay, is there anyone that you know in your network that would need help with that skill that you can like do it for free in exchange for a testimonial? And so I would do that. And then I would like get some results. I would get better at it and then I'd go out and get paying clients so that's how I would do and if you don't like the skill you know move on to the next one move on to the next one and even if like none of those three like turned out to be the thing I can almost guarantee you 
they will put you in a situation to find out what is the thing for you. Yeah, I love that framework. It's a good way to be able to like draw and like figure out where I should be going next, what I should be trying. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, would you want to tell her any advice or would you want to tell her nothing? Up to you. I think... I think if I said anything, it would just be like, you know, this is all going to work out, you know, like don't stress so much because everything's going to be fine. Like, you know, you back yourself, you know, I think sometimes I can just like overthink and stress out about things too much. And I think I definitely did by then, like taking things like very seriously or feeling like it had to work now, even though it's like I knew I was always going to keep going. Of course, I wanted it to work like right away. Who doesn't, you know, so I think there were many nights of just anxiety staring at the ceiling and <laughs> wondering like, oh shit, like I just spent all this money on this like Amazon inventory. Like I know it's going to work out, but like I'm stressed as hell right now. So I would just tell myself like, seriously, don't worry. Just keep doing what you're doing and you're going to be absolutely fine. I think we all need to hear that at 20. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been fun. Yeah. Where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Yeah. So the best way is probably through an experience. So I'll send you a link and you can put it in the description. Basically, if you click on the link, you can enter your email and then it would take you to a video where I'm explaining how to set up your Upwork profile, like your bio. So the exact exact training I have in my course. So you can go through that and set up your Upwork profile and um, then there's also one about operations. So if you're in business, you can um, kind of do a self audit on your business and find figure out what you don't know you don't know. And so through that, then you'll be able to connect with me through email. So that's probably the best way right now. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.